The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What do we call that? Wagertainment. It's You Better You Bet from BetQL. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller here with you. Another episode of You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM. Filling in for Nick and Ken here on a Thursday. We've got a lot going on today. They are off and running at the Genesis Invitational. Tiger Woods making his return to the PGA Tour playing his first event of the 2024 season. He's one under right now through nine holes. Currently, Will Zalatoris is leading the tournament at six under par through eight holes. So Willie Z off to a hot start. He's got a lot of firepower behind him. Patrick Cantlay, Jordan Spieth, five under. Victor Hovland, four under. And uh, he's still got a bunch of names just getting underway. Scotty Scheffler just eagled the first hole. Rory McIlroy is getting ready to tee off along with Max Homa and Adam Scott as well. So we will keep you posted on the golf throughout the show. We're going to talk some baseball today. We are also going to get into uh, some NBA as well. We'll talk some football later on in the show. Uh, That is Mark Drumheller. I'm PJ Glass. Reminder, you can watch us on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. You can listen to us on twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. can also listen to us on the Odyssey app for free. Mark, before we dive into some of the storylines, how did the bets go last night? I know you dabbled in uh, some NBA. We had a loaded card last night. Yeah, not good. So so dropped both games. Pacers did not cover. Uh, came up a little bit short, a bucket short against the Raptors. Um, that was a surprise to me. I thought that number was a little bit short. And um, Cleveland did not get the job done either. Flat effort against the Bulls. Um, so the Bulls get the road cover in that one. Uh, you know, pretty surprised. It was interesting, PJ. I know we were talking about a little bit about this before the show. The games that I showed the biggest number edges on were the Lakers, uh, the Kings, which I, I bet late at night, which ended up going well. Didn't talk about that one on the show, but it decided to fire because things weren't going well. And then the Heat and the Clippers. And with the Clippers, the Heat, the Lakers, I got off it. I could not pull the trigger just because Kawhi was out, LeBron was out. But that's really what creates these market inefficiencies. So um, it was a lesson learned on my end. You know, don't be a chicken. If you got, if you see a number at edge, fire away. Don't let the smoke, don't let the narratives, you know, cloud your judgment. It could have been a very profitable night. Instead, you know, we took a couple lumps. Yeah, tonight only three games on the card. Milwaukee, they're 13 and a half point favorites at the Grizzlies. That's come up from 11 and a half to 13 and a half. The Warriors are small road favorites tonight in Utah, minus one and a half, minus 130 on the money line. And then the Timberwolves are minus nine and a half at 
the Trailblazers tonight. So only three games. Obviously, NBA All-Star Weekend gets going tomorrow. Mark and I will dive into that a bunch. Talk slam dunk contest, three-point contest, All-Star game, all that good stuff. Uh, Real quick, Mark, though, is the NBA All-Star game, is that your favorite All-Star game of the bunch? I know baseball, a lot of people like that one. Um, Which one do you like the best? Yeah, I don't like any of them. I'll be honest. Uh, like the All Star games. Like when I was younger, it was cool. Like you get to see the different you know stars playing with each other, or whatnot. But I feel like the product in every sport has just gotten so watered down. And it's uh, you know, I, I just want a fair game that I can wager on, right? You know, I, the All Star games just kind of like more fun guys playing around, not being super serious. So uh, not my favorite event of the year. So I, it, it's hard for me to pick a you know one that I I truly like, but. Um, we could see some exciting stuff in the, you know, in the NBA competition. Yeah, I think it's been referred to like in the past that the NBA All-Star game is just like the greatest pickup game that you can play, right? Just all <laughs> these NBA All-Stars, there's no defense, everybody's just trying to score. Uh, I, you know, I mean, it's certainly not a game I love to bet on just because nobody's really trying for the most part. You do get some cool moments with some cool dunks. Honestly, my favorite part is always like the introductions. And now that they have, they're almost like picking teams kind of. I know this year they're mm-hmm. going back to the East and the West, but I did enjoy that to see like Jokic was like the last pick in the draft last year, right? That's a guy who might win another MVP <laughs> this year. And he's picked last because his game's like not flashy and nobody wants him in an all-star game. But those kind of things I did find uh, pretty enjoyable. I do love the MLB all-star game. I'm glad that they did away with like that game determining home field advantage for the World Series. I thought that was insane. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the game itself, obviously, some of the matchups that we get, like some of the elite pitchers going up against the elite pitchers, it feels like that's the game where the guys are definitely trying the most. Um, so I do like that all-star game the best for sure. But the NBA is obviously can be entertaining with all the points that they do score. Last night for me, Mark, Detroit came through 0-26, favored by 5.5. Vegas knew what they were doing. One by eight, uh, 15. So that was a uh, that was a nice cash last night. Also had a money line parlay with Maryland and Auburn and Tennessee. So nice night in college hoops. S- small slate tonight. There's really not much going on. Not much Friday either. And then obviously it builds back up on Saturday. So nothing really too much for me in uh, college hoops tonight. But last night was a good night. We did have some news though in college football. Mark, did you see the uh, the trailer? Did you see the EA Sports College Football trailer that dropped today? I did not. Oh man, it was like this Good. video of yeah, this guy is basically he's at the Rose Bowl. It's like a minute and a half. It's like ninety seconds, and it's a tease for like the full reveal video is coming in May, mm-hmm. and then the, they said the game is going to drop sometime during the summer. But it was basically a video just saying that like. we have a college football video game that is coming back and got everybody very excited because we haven't had one since 2014. Yeah, you might not see me for a month. I might need to take a good month off, <laughs> off just to fire through that. And they couldn't pick a better you know, scene, the Rose Bowl. I think you know the Rose Bowl was probably the best atmosphere to play a football game in. So uh, you know, glad to see that's part of it. But it's going to be incredibly exciting. I can't wait for it to drop. Did you have uh did you have a team back in the day that would always be your go-to? Like were you a military academy guy? Would you play with Hawaii? Like who <laughs> who was your school that you would try and win championships with? 
I would mix it up. I mean, here in Philadelphia, you know, we don't really have a, a college football team that we root for, right? Like, it's not, you know, Penn, some people, there's a, some people like Notre Dame, some people like Penn State, but they're not really local, right? It's still, you know, Penn State's still a very, very far drive um, from here in Philadelphia. So I don't have a specific team that I adopted. I like to use different teams, see, you know, which teams I can win with, kind of switch it up. And, you know, that, that's kind of how I approach it. I'll tell you what, though. In, in true college football, as a fan, I'm getting closer and closer to these Oregon Ducks, man. I might just, like, adopt them as my favorite team. Really? You just go all out? Yeah. Are you, they got to they gotta include all the different jersey combinations, right? Like, if you're playing yes. with Oregon, I better get, like, 50 options of who, what kind of jerseys <laughs> I can use. <laughs> you have to. That's the fun of the game, right? You know, or maybe they let you design your own for Oregon, right? And you can you can craft them. But yeah, the jersey options are going to be tremendous. Yeah, so that dropped today. Can't wait for that. That's going to be awesome. Can't wait for that uh, full reveal in May. There's going to be a lot of people I uh, I have a suspicion will be taking off work those couple days when that game's dropped. <laughs> then you have Caitlin, Caitlin Clark tonight. She is going for the NCAA women's scoring title they play michigan she needs just eight points to break kelsey plum's record of 3527 points mark tonight's price for the iowa michigan game in iowa city is four hundred dollars i love it i love it hey if there's a market listen i wouldn't love to pay it but i watch it on tv but if there's a market it's good it's good to see this program taking advantage and generating money you know all off such an event so I, I know fans don't like it when these prices get hiked up like that but if we want women's sports to flourish you know we have to be willing to do these types of things no question she uh iowa played at maryland a couple weeks ago and you know i went on like SeatGeek and StubHub and all these places to look up like what prices would be. And they were like close to $300 for, for a price. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I'd like to see her play, but like not, not that bad. You know what I mean? So it's right. crazy. Like you said, yeah. the revenue that she's generating is, is incredible. And uh, she's awesome. awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait for the tournament, you know, on the women's side, because I have a mm -hmm. feeling a lot of people are going to pick Iowa and that's going to create some some betting opportunities to kind of fade them. The lines are probably going to be a little bit inflated. Um, like last year in the national championship game, Iowa, they were like 12-point dogs to South Carolina, and they end up pulling that upset, right, in the semifinal round, the final four. And then they played LSU, and they became three-and-a-half-point favorites. And I'm like... Look, I mean, I, I think maybe I don't think they should be favored in the game, but it's that overreaction. It's the Caitlin Clark just dynamic. So right now, South Carolina mm -hmm. is the heavy favorite. They're plus 120. Iowa's plus 700. LSU plus 750. Stanford 14 to 1. It, for me, I haven't watched too much women's college basketball, but the few that I have marked, the few games that I have watched, South Carolina once again is just a machine. And the fact that they lost to Iowa last year. Something tells me that, uh, that they're motivated. out for, oh, no question. No question. For so, sure. They'll be what even about more you? motivated. Yeah. And I love seeing that there's a tax on Iowa, right, in the betting market, because that's kind of the next step, right, you know, for, you know, women's college basketball is now you have a tax. It's not the, you know, Yankees tax. It's not the Alabama tax, but you are going to see some disruption in the betting market with them. So I, I think that's pretty cool. And you're right. It is going to create some opportunities for us to jump in and get some good numbers on the other side. 
I have uh, I have some friends that kind of handicapped the WNBA uh, too, and they were telling me to buy some mm-hmm. futures on the Indiana Fever in the WNBA because they're an upcoming team. They got Aaliyah Boston from South Carolina, who's really good, and uh, they're obviously going to get Caitlin Clark with the with the number one pick. So if you want a little future in the WNBA, maybe sprinkle something on the Indiana Fever. But Caitlin Clark and Iowa in action tonight against Michigan. Then for some NFL news, Steve Spagnolo is coming back with the Chiefs. He signs an extension. Kansas City plus six fifty to win the Super Bowl, plus four hundred to win the AFC. Mark, are you surprised that like teams aren't willing to give Spags a look at to becoming a head coach? Like, do you think it's just gotten to the point where he's just a great defensive coordinator and and you know he can't be a head coach, kind of like one of those Vic Fangio types or you know Wade Phillips or somebody like that? Like, are you surprised the success that he's had in KC? Somebody hasn't given him a shot to be a head coach again. I'm not, and I'm not sure he wants another shot. Like, his term with the Rams went pretty bad. Like, that was a pretty ugly time for him, you know, as a head coach. And he might be just just be more comfortable. We talked about Chip Kelly yesterday, you know, being comfortable going to Ohio State and just being part of a top program with a chance to win, you know, every year um, as a coordinator. And Spagnola, you know, possibly could have the same perspective, right? You know, he gets to – you know, run a defense with Patrick Mahomes on the other side. I think every defensive coordinator would love to be in that position. So uh, I'm not surprised at all, especially when you consider just the landscape of the, you know, uh, the NFL coaching hiring cycle. Everybody wants a modern offensive play caller. That's the new thing. Everybody's going after that. Spagnola doesn't fit that mold. Even though you do see some defensive coordinators hired, you know, Raheem Morris, you know, is one of them. But I, I am just not surprised that Spagnola is decided to stay put in Kansas City. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I kind of agree with you. I don't know if he really wants a head coaching job, right? I mean, at the end of the day, like you get in the coaching profession, especially when you reach the NFL level and when you're of a certain age, like you just want to compete for championships and He's no dummy. He sees who his quarterback is on the other side, right? He knows as long as Mahomes is there, he's going to have a chance to compete. Not only that, but like he's got one of the best defensive units in the NFL, and they're young, right, especially on the back end. Now they got a decision to make with Snead and what they want to do with Chris Jones, but McDuffie's an all-pro. He's a younger guy. Um, Some of their linebackers are kind of in their prime. So Kansas City's defense is in a good spot. Spags is just so good, especially in the postseason. Um and, you know, it's fortunate. Like, we saw it with the Patriots dynasty. Like, Belichick was obviously to, was able to keep his coordinators there for a number of years, right, and keep it all intact. And Andy Reid has been able to do the same for the most part. The enemy was there for a while, but Nagy had been there before. So it's like kind of the familiarity and then obviously Spags on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, Kansas City certainly three-peat could be looking Good for them. Uh, and then some other news as well. Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith, according to Adam Schefter, who is $12.7 million in guarantees um, in his contract that becomes fully guaranteed on Friday, has informed today he will remain on the roster through this week, allowing the money to trigger. $12.7 million will now convert from injury guaranteed to fully guaranteed, assuring that Smith will collect the money so looks like geno smith will be back in seattle your thoughts mark do you think this is the right decision do you think seattle should have been aggressive maybe traded up for a quarterback maybe gotten one in their current spot or gone after a veteran or do you like them bringing back geno 
I can understand it. I, I think Gino will be good enough for what they want to do, especially if McDonald's going to build a good defense around them. They got some good young players in the draft, Devin Witherspoon. So I think that's the key. Like for next year, yes, but I do think they need to start looking to the future. Yeah. All right, well, we'll talk about that some more. Geno Smith, Seattle, kind of their future thoughts for next season. Talk about some of the offensive linemen who are have some free agent decisions to make as well. Keep you posted on the Genesis Invitational at Riviera as well. Just getting started with you for the next three hours and 45 minutes. P.J. Glasser, Mark Drumheller, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller here on a Thursday, filling in for Nick and Ken with you until 7 o'clock Eastern time. Talking some NFL, a reminder that you can watch us on twitch.tv slash betql, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. We will be over on Stadium at 4 o'clock Eastern time, so you can watch us on Stadium at 4 o'clock, but we'll be on Twitch and YouTube until then. You can also listen to us on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. Mark, before we were going to break, we were talking about Geno Smith and uh, the Seahawks. Looks like they're going to bring him back next year as their quarterback. I think if you're Seattle, having a guy like Geno is in one is maybe like one of the worst places in the NFL that you can be mm-hmm. in a sense that you know you don't have a franchise guy, right? And you know you you certainly don't have a quarterback that you can't win with. But it's like Geno, it's kind of like the position that the Baker Mayfield has put the Bucks in, where he's done enough to where you can win with them, you can go to the playoffs with them. But, like, you know you're never going to win a Super Bowl with Geno Smith. Like, if you're the Bucs, you know you're never going to win a, a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield. So, I get, like you said, I understand why Seattle is doing it. But as a fan of the team, I would say that you just try and find somebody in the draft. You know what I mean? And you bring mm-hmm. them in. You certainly can keep Geno. But it's tough, right? Like, you're in a tough position. There are only so many great quarterbacks in the NFL And what San Francisco's done is they've gotten a guy in Brock Purdy who's very good. He's certainly not one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's very good, and they built a great roster around him. And Seattle, obviously, is is trying to do the same thing. They got nice skill position players. They got some good players on defense, some nice pieces on the offensive line. I think they've got they've absolutely nailed the head coaching position. I thought Mike McDonald was a fantastic hire. But it's tough, you know, when you're stuck with a guy like Geno because you certainly know there are better options out there, but then you also look at the rest of the NFL and the the hands that some of them were dealt this season, right? Like, look at the Jets. I mean, having to deal with another year of Zach Wilson again. And I know that wasn't their plan, mm-hmm. obviously, but, like, and the Giants stuck with DeVito, and, you know, it just it stinks. It's nice for them that they have two quarterbacks, essentially, with Locke and Geno, but... What are your thoughts on that? Like, if you were a fan of a team, would you want another season of Geno, or would you rather your team just decide to take a chance on somebody in the draft and and hope that they hit that way? 
Do they really have two quarterbacks with Smith and Locke? <laughs> Are we considering Drew Locke a viable option there? But I understand exactly what you're saying, PJ, and it makes it very tough because it's easy for us as analysts to sit there and say, hey, you know what? Just lose a couple games, get at the top of the draft, and take a quarterback. But the hit rate is not 100%, even when you're at the top of the draft. Like Some of the guys that we thought were surefire you know, NFL caliber starters – flame out. Zach Wilson's a perfect uh, example of that, right? I wasn't big on Zach Wilson, but there were enough people that were to catapult him up to number two in the draft. We see it every year. So getting a guy in the draft just isn't always the solution. Look at Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett. They thought they had their guy. Now they're not so sure. Rumors are they might be looking to trade for Justin Fields, which I think would be incredible for the Steelers. But as fans, it's easier for us to say, figure it out in the draft, but it, it, it's hard. It's not easy. The hit rate's not 100%. So I can see why they want to stick with Geno, but it just gets harder and harder, right? If you're McDonald, you want to go in there, you want to win games, and that's going to get you further away from that. And you're going to have to go to the free agent pool if you want to update Geno Smith. And I think this season is an interesting year where you can get a guy like Kirk Cousins, who I do believe is an upgrade over Geno Smith. Maybe you can pry him away. There's guys like Justin Fields available. Like, I think there's pretty good quarterbacks out there more than usual um, in the NFL offseason. But they're in a weird position to where they have to make a decision on Smith. They decided to keep him. The familiarity, I understand. But I don't know if there's a long-term answer there at the quarterback position. You know, your quarterback, Mark, there in Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts, I, I think this is a huge upcoming season for him in Philadelphia. Like, you obviously watch all his games. You, you watch every every play of every Eagles game. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jalen? Because, obviously, you led him to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and he looked like one of the best players in the league. For, like, the better ha part of this season, he was the favorite to win MVP, and then the Eagles just mm -hmm. go on that slide down the stretch. And now we're questioning if Sirianni should be the head coach and if Jalen should be the quarterback and all these things. So what are your thoughts on Hurts? Because I think he falls in that category of like, you know, a Tua, of a Kirk Cousins, of a Jared Goff, where like there are really good flashes, but then there are other parts and you're not sure like if that is your guy moving forward. Yeah, I love Jalen Hurts, but a big key out of all this, this offseason and what happened was, you know, can he get healthy and can he get the explosiveness back as a runner that we saw two years ago when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl? I, the play calling, it looks like they fixed. But the biggest takeaway for me about Jalen Hurts' season was that defenses played him differently. Like, they came after him. They blitzed him a ton. He wasn't used to seeing that, and he didn't have a solid offensive coordinator to help navigate him through that process, right? They didn't make adjustments during the season. They just kind of kept doing what they're doing and running into a brick wall, and the offense just looked ugly. He was banged up. Now they bring in Kellen Moore. They're going to have some answers. So if people just want to continue, you know, blitzing him, throwing bodies at him, they're going to have answers within the scheme for him to do. That was one of the biggest things that stuck out is there were no easy passes for him. The offense always looked difficult. Not a lot of screen passes, not a lot of misdirections to really punish defenses for overcommitting, not a lot of pre-snap motion to make his reads easier. So I think Kellen Moore in the offense is going to help him tremendously. But the other key to that is, from a performance level, we need Jalen Hurts to be healthy as a runner to really maximize what he can do in that offense.
Did you like that Sirianni came back? Like, if you were Jeffrey Lurie, if you were in that position, no. would you have brought in another head coach? <laughs> I probably would have. And I like Nick Sirianni, and I don't think everything that transpired was his fault. But the biggest issue to me was, and I alluded to in my previous you know, statement, they, they didn't make any adjustment during the season. The offensive play caller was an issue. Brian Johnson has now moved on to Washington. It's the pass game coordinator and assistant head coach pairing up with Anthony Lynn and Dan Quinn. It's going to be a lot of fun. But they didn't make any adjustments during the year. They had no answers for what defenses were doing to them halfway through the season. That offense has too much talent on it to just sit there and say, hey, you know what? We don't know. We'll try and figure it out next year. You have to be able to step in as the head coach and fix it, put on a tourniquet at least, stop the bleeding. Sirianni wasn't able to do any of that. And to me, that was just very, very concerning. So if he's not going to be able to step in and fix it when the offense is gone astray or needs to be adjusted, I, how do you bring him back? Like, like that was the biggest challenge for me. Like I needed to see more assertiveness from Sirianni to fix some of the problems. Yeah, I'm with you. It's just, you know, it's like all these head coaches in the NFL, for the most part, kind of have some kind of influence on either side of the ball. And I just watched Sirianni coach on the sideline, and I'm like, what is it exactly that he brings to the Eagles? You know what I mean? Like, it just mm -hmm. doesn't feel like he kind of has his hand on anything. He looks, he looks clueless a lot of times. Honestly, when they were rolling, Mark, he just, to me, was like the hype man. Like, that's all he was on the sideline. You know what I mean? It was right. like, it's fourth and one. Let's do the tush push and all that. So, I think it's a big season, obviously, for Hurts. Um, do you think there's a scenario where he could get fired midseason? Like, if the Eagles get off to a two and five, three and seven start, like, could you absolutely see a scenario where he's gone? Yeah, and that's another reason I didn't want them to bring him back because now you have this additional pressure in the locker room, right? If, if you're not starting yeah. fresh with a new head coach, you went out and got him two great coordinators. You have a very talented roster, especially in the offensive side. If you're not winning, there's no more fingers to point. Like, it's going to be you, Howie Roseman's the type of guy that's going to take swift action if things aren't going right. We saw him hop in and replace Sean Desai with Matt Patricia, right? And then Patricia wasn't the answer. We kind of knew he wasn't the answer. But Howie Roseman wasn't going to just let the season fall by the wayside uh, like Nick Sirianni did, in a way. So you know he's going to be aggressive and make moves if they – if there needs to be a move to be made. And I think he would hop in if the Eagles start off slow, if they start off like one and four or something like that, or we get midway through the season and they're four and five, four and six. I think it's going to be it for Sirianni. And that being in that position as a coach is very difficult. So I, I don't know if we're putting him in the best situation, even though we're giving him the good, you know, coordinators to succeed. Yeah, if I'm being honest, Mark, I was surprised the Eagles brought him back because I have a lot of respect for like their management. Obviously, Howie Roseman's great at what he does. Jeffrey Lurie's a very owner, and they're very like forward thinkers, right? Like they fired Doug Peterson when a lot of people wouldn't have. I mean, that guy brought you hmm. your first organization Super Bowl just a couple of years, and then he gets fired with the way that season ended, how he handled that final game with benching Hurts and you know against Washington and all that, but. I thought after the way that season ended and you just watched the Eagles, their team, and how they just – it wasn't the same fight. Even when they were winning, it just didn't look enjoyable, mm -hmm. right? Like everything was hard for them. And with all the coaches that were available in this year's cycle, 
whether it was Belichick or Vrabel. I thought there were a bunch of like veteran coaches, coaches who could have stepped in and helped them win now, a team that's built to win right now. I thought there were a lot of coaches out there that made some sense. But to your point, thought they did great with the coordinators, Fangio on defense, Kellen Moore on offense. Certainly, if they get off to a slow start, they want to move off of Sirianni. They have two guys that could step in and take over. But uh, I was I was surprised by that. And I really don't know what to do in this NFC East next year because, again, I think the Eagles and the Cowboys are pretty comparable. Um, both coaches are on the hot seat with McCarthy and Sirianni. Both, co- or both quarterbacks, right, obviously have tons of expectations with Dak and Hurts. I think you got to give Philly the advantage in two scenarios. One, they're going to play the easier schedule because Dallas won the division, so they get the first-place schedule. And two, just the history of the NFC East – and the fact that nobody repeats as a division winner, and Dallas just won it. So I think, you know, there are some things that make me lean towards Philadelphia. Would you be, like, comfortable placing a futures bet on the Eagles and saying that there aren't isn't going to be, like, significant roster turnover? Like, I know there's a lot going on with A.J. Brown right now. Kelsey mm-hmm. obviously retired. There's some other veterans. But for the most part, would you say the personnel for the Eagles as it stands today like is going to probably be how it is up until opening kickoff in September? I think the defense is going to look a lot different. I think they're going to try and bring in a lot of young players, and some of these veterans won't be coming back. I think that was the biggest challenge this year was they had an aging roster on defense. They kind of knew it, especially in the secondary. And when things broke down, They didn't have young players to backfill in. So I think they're going to try and infuse some young talent on the defense. As far as Kelsey, he's not out the door yet. So there's a lot going on here in Philadelphia where people are wondering if he's kind of setting himself up for a comeback. Seems like he's having second thoughts about, you know, retiring. And there's just a lot going on there. You talk to some people on the team and they say, hey, look, he's having so much fun. He's ripping off his shirt, chugging beers. You know, why would he want to come back and play football? But you talk to Kelsey and and it sounds like he he definitely wants to be a part of the organization. And if he he feels like the team is in position to succeed next year, uh, he could be right back in the mix. So uh, I think that Kelsey... Probably it's 50-50 of whether he retires or not. I think that would be good. The offensive line uh, needs to be better. Weren't good enough last year, especially running the football. So do it to get some young guys in there as well to help out some of these aging veterans. And that was really the key. The veterans got old. They didn't have young guys stepping up. But I, I think there won't be a ton of turnover on the offensive side. I think they're going to try and keep the star players intact. A.J. Brown, they got to add a third receiver. Uh, to pair up with A.J. Brown and Smith on the defense, though, I think you're going to see a lot of young guys, and they're going to rely on Fangio to coach them up. I think we're all wondering, Mark, like, you know, in this year's draft, who's going to be that surprise team that looks to move up into maybe the top three and get one of those quarterbacks? Do you think the Giants could be one of those teams? Like, I was never a Daniel Jones guy. I never bought in even that year that he made him to, or he led him to the postseason. He obviously got hurt this past year. Do you think they run it back with Daniel Jones? Do you think he's the quarterback next year? Or do you think maybe the Giants get aggressive and try and trade up for uh, for one of these quarterbacks? I think that's possible that they do. And if I was a Giants fan, that's what I would want. I don't think Same. 
Dable's in a situation where he can just continue to go with Daniel Jones if he doesn't believe in him. So it'll be an interesting year for the Giants in that perspective. I was surprised they gave him the money. As an Eagles fan, I was thrilled. But I think now they have an opportunity where if you can go up and get a Drake May or a Jaden Daniels, uh, we look at what Brian Dable did with an athletic quarterback like Josh Allen with a big arm. He could go up there and get somebody. I think he would like to do that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, you know, it's a good opportunity, too, for the Giants to kind of press the refresh button, right? Like Saquon's a free agent. Daniel Jones, you paid him some money, but the way that that contract was constructed, you can kind of move off it. And everybody's trying to figure out, like, who that team's going to be that move up. Is it going to be Denver? Is it going to be Minnesota if they get rid of Cousins? Is it going to be Atlanta? Is it going to be the Raiders? Like, the Giants could be a team that I would watch because they got a good head coach who's a good offensive mind. And it just feels like they need a quarterback to kind of spark that franchise. And then you start to build some weapons around them. So we'll see. Mark and I, we're going to continue talking about some of the offseason head coaching moves. You better, you bet, presented by BetMGM. You better, you bet, presented by BetMGM. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller here with you, filling in for Nick and Ken. You can watch. You better, you bet with Mark and I on twitch.tv slash betql. We're also over on YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. You can listen for free on the Odyssey app. You can also listen on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. Victor Hovland just made a bogey, Mark, so uh, I am not happy. He drops back to two under par. Everybody's catching Patrick Cantlay right now, who's seven under. You got Jordan Spieth and Will Zalatoris at six under. Tiger Woods is even par right now through 12 as well. A lot of star power in L.A. this weekend for the Genesis Invitational. So we will keep you posted on that throughout the show. Now, as do you I, have Hoblin uh, as first-round leader, or do you have him as first-round no, leader, just, or did you just play him outright? Just a win. Just a win. No no okay. first-round leaders right. for me. Uh, no so first-round leaders for me today. Just time. Yeah, yeah. I, so, you know, I got Denny McCarthy and Victor Hovland outright. Denny's one under right now. Um, I took some Morikawa, Max Homa, Adam Scott, top 10. They're all just starting their rounds right now. So, like mm-hmm. you said, a lot of golf. You almost don't want to be winning after round one, right? Whenever you got, like, those daily fantasy lineups and, like, it's all green in the first round, like, that's never a good thing, Mark, <laughs> because we know the regression. The regression's coming. So you want to have some guys doing well but you want to have others that make some big moves in round two and three. So like you said, a lot of golf left. We're going to have Sia Najad on later to talk about the Genesis Invitational with us. But back to the NFL, Mark, we were having an interesting discussion off air uh, as we were getting into our discussion last segment about some of these teams and what they're going to do, who's going to trade up maybe for a quarterback and which quarterback should they take. Like in your personal opinion, who do you think is the slam dunk quarterback of this draft? Like, do you like Caleb the best? If you had the number one pick, is that who you would take? Yes, but I would need an offensive coordinator in there that's going to really be able to reel him in and get him back to the fundamentals. So I think that's why, like, fit and landing spot is so important. Because I do think, after watching Caleb Williams this year at USC, he has the highest ceiling, he has the highest end talent, but... Lots of bad habits, you know, with footwork and hero ball and the offensive line wasn't great. And it just seemed like not the year we were expecting out of Caleb Williams in the beginning of the year. We're like, man, this guy has the talent to win back-to-back Heismans. Can he do it? You know, and you watch him play and it just, it was not that type of year for him. So he needs to 
be in a spot to where they can reel him in. Is Shane Waldron that guy? We're going to find out uh, probably, but I think he'll go number one. Out of the quarterbacks, I, I mean, I, it's probably May after that. I know J.J. McCarthy's getting a lot of steam. People are talking about him shooting up the draft boards. Jaden Daniels, ton of talent, you know, there with him. I think he's right up there. So it's going to be fun to see how these puzzle pieces fit when we get to the draft. Mark, I'm going to laugh so hard if J.J. McCarthy goes in the first round. Like, I like belly laugh. Mm-hmm. Like, I will absolutely. I think he he is the stay-away quarterback for me of, like, the top-tier guys. I, I just think he's a product in Michigan of a great head coach, a great offensive line, two great running backs. Like, when, when we were all making the jokes on, like, social media about Brock Purdy for MVP, right, and you saw the videos of, like, his MVP mm-hmm. highlights, and it'd be, like, a little sc- screen pass to Debo or CMC, right, like, all that <laughs> stuff. Like, that's that's what I envision when I watch J.J. play. Like, I, I just don't think the kid – he's a good athlete. Like, he's got good arm talent, mm-hmm. but there is no chance – I am taking him anywhere near the top. Like first round, second round, he would have to be like fifth round or later for me to to draft him. So what coach do you think is most likely to take a shot on J.J. McCarthy? <laughs> if you're talking about like the it's top guys, like let's say he goes in the first round, what coach do you think would be a J.J. McCarthy guy? Watches those Michigan highlights, sees him meditating before the game, is like, this is the face of my franchise. I got to get this guy. So let's see. So we got Minnesota and Kevin O'Connell, who's obviously worked for the most part with like pocket passers, Sean Payton in Denver. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would do it. Um, I mean, maybe Las Vegas would be the team. The first that comes to mind, like they could take a chance on a running quarterback. Tyler in the chat is saying the giants, obviously with Daniel Jones, being a scrambler. <laughs> I, I could honestly see the giants doing something like that. Um, I don't know. You know, what's what's funny is like maybe one of these top teams like takes two quarterbacks, right? When Washington, the year they drafted RG3, they also took Kirk Cousins later in the draft and that ended up being a really smart decision. I wonder if Chicago and Washington, if both of them, likely both going to take quarterbacks with the first couple picks, if they also come back and one of them takes J.J. McCarthy as well, right? Because both... Caleb Williams and Drake May are athletes. Like, both guys can create Mm -hmm. and make plays. McCarthy's that way, too. So it's not like you'd be getting a Michael Penix and a J.J. McCarthy, where, like, it's kind of two different guys. So I think that could be something to watch. Like, maybe one of these two teams kind of double up because both know they have to nail the QB position this year. And even though I don't think J.J. McCarthy's going to be good, I certainly could be wrong. But, like, we know the Bears got to get the quarterback right. They they have to. This is the second straight year. They've had the number one pick. They traded it last year. They rolled the dice with Fields. It didn't work out. They're likely getting kicked. They got to hit. And then Washington, obviously. You bring in a new coach. You bring in Kingsbury as the OC. You got new ownership. Like, you got to get the QB right. And they did when they had it with RG3, and then he just got hurt and he blew up his leg. And then they had Kirk Cousins again, another solid quarterback, and then they decided to move on with him, bring in Alex Smith, and they've been looking for a quarterback ever since. So that's kind of where I'm thinking maybe they go with J.J. McCarthy. Like, I don't know if one of these other teams take them. Maybe, like, the Bears or the Commanders decide to double down and go with the guy like that. I don't think he'll be there. I, from, from what I'm hearing, I, like, I don't think he's really? going to be there for them to do it. And besides, I don't think, to me, if you're Washington, 
And if you're in Chicago, not only do you have to get the right quarterback, right? Once you draft him, the goal becomes let's not get this guy killed, right? Like they got to get offensive line help in both Chicago and Washington. So this guy has yep. a prayer to succeed because if they don't, it's going to stun his development. They're going to lose him. His fifth-year contract's going to come up. They're not going to sign him because he was brutal the first two years because he developed a bunch of bad habits because he had 320-pound maniacs chasing him all over the field every play. So they have too many holes. When you're at the bottom of the draft like that, you don't have the luxury to get two shots at the quarterback position. You got to fill those holes. So when I look at those teams, like, yes, they would like to do it, but you got to hit the number one guy and live with your decision. Is there a quarterback outside of the top two, whether we're talking Daniels, whether we're talking Penix, McCarthy, Bo Nix, whoever it may be, is there a quarterback to a certain team that like you would love to see a certain landing spot? Because for me, I would really like to see Michael Penix in Denver. I think that'd be a great fit, right? Obviously, all those years of Breeze and Sean Payton and having a pocket passer and Penix playing college ball at Indiana. He's no stranger to the cold. And then going out to Seattle, he's no stranger to the rain. You know, when you're playing in Denver, you're going to have cold and you're going to have precipitation, whether it's rain or snow or whatever it may be. So I think that would be a great fit just from a standpoint of a quarterback who can handle the weather and also who I think would be really good in that system. So Jaden Daniels is so unique, obviously, with the kind of athlete he is. I don't know necessarily if there's a team that like would make the most sense. It's almost like kind of what the Ravens did with Lamar, where you have to draft him and then you have to build in you and then you just got to build around him, right? Like you got to bring in a coordinator mm-hmm. and just personnel that fit Jaden Daniels. Whereas I think Penix going to Sean Payton. Oh, looks like we lost PJ for a little bit. He's going to be right back with us. Talking about these quarterbacks, he brings up Michael Penix Jr. and his fit with Sean Payton. And I think that's interesting from the sense that if we look at Sean Payton and the success he had with the development of Drew Brees, it it's a very, very different type of quarterback. Penix very strong with a long ball, likes to stretch the field vertically. And will that type of quarterback unleash Sean Payton in the playbook or – Will we have a hard time fitting them in? That's really the question that I have asked. Like, is that is that fit really good with Penix? Is that the type of quarterback that Sean Payton would be looking for with Penix? Or is he a guy that could draft up to maybe number two and take a look at a guy like Drake May? Yeah, I, I mean, it will certainly could, obviously. Going off of Russell Wilson, right, Mark? Like, he certainly could make a big splash. I, I think the Penix move makes a lot of sense. Uh, but the Drake May, be interesting. Do you think Drake May is going to be good in the NFL? Like, are you a Drake May guy? I do. I think he has the talent to play in the league. Going If he goes to Washington at number two, I, I think that'll be interesting, working with Cliff Kingsbury. How does that work out? They have weapons on the team, guys like McLaren, so, you know, Dotson. He has weapons to throw to. So as long as they can protect them, if they get some help on the offensive line, I think he can have some success there. So I, I like all these quarterbacks. It, it, we have to see the draft and and see how it how the pieces fall. Because I think landing spot, again, is just so huge. Like if you go to a spot where 
you know, you, you don't have a strong offensive coordinator. You don't have a strong offensive line. It, it's hard to overcome that. That's why what C.J. Stroud did this year was so special. Yes, he had the offensive coordinator, but that offensive line wasn't great. The roster around him wasn't great, and he still accomplished amazing things. Yeah, no doubt. That's At the end of the day, that's what all these teams are looking for. They're trying to find their next C.J. Stroud. Which head coach hiring was your favorite of this offseason cycle? Because – I know you think Harbaugh could be good for L.A. long term, but I know you don't mm-hmm. think they'll be necessarily good right away. Was there a favorite head coaching hiring that, that you had of the teams that made one? I don't really know if there's a favorite. I thought a lot of them were interesting. T- Tennessee took me back, you know, moving on from Vrabel, getting Callahan. Um, they yep. bring over his father for the offensive line help. I think that'll be good. Uh you know, Carolina getting canals. I thought that surprised me. I don't know if there's one that actually sticks out is my favorite. How about you? I love Mike McDonald to Seattle. I loved him. I <laughs> thought, I remember Ian yeah, Rappaport. Was, yeah, I remember Ian Rappaport saying that people in that Seattle building kind of viewed him as like a defensive genius, as like the defensive Sean McVay. And I think that is the perfect <laughs> comp. Like he he's really good. And I think what he's going to be able to do with that Seattle secondary with Woolen and Weatherspoon, like, they're going to be dangerous, Mark. They're going to be really, really good. So if they can figure out the offensive side of the ball, if he can get somebody to take care of that, I think defensively they are going to be excellent. Our number one in the books here, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. Our number two on the way next, we're going to be on stadium as well. You can join us over there. P.J. Glasser, Mark Drumheller.